Good morning and welcome to this special MoneyWeb podcast. My name is Raik van Niekerk. Petro SA is South Africa's state-owned oil company and tasked with a wide range of responsibilities to help ensure energy security in the country. Over the past few years, the company has been in the news for the wrong reasons, mostly related to corruption and the company suffering huge losses. Petro SA also no longer produces liquefied natural gas since feedstock to its gas-to-liquids refinery in Mossel Bay ran out at the end of 2020. And this is an issue because uh, Petro SA's gas-to-liquids refinery remains the third largest gas-to-liquids refinery worldwide. Sandy Siswe Nsemane is the acting CEO of Petro SA and she was appointed in this role late last year. Sandy Siswe, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's talk about Petro SA for a moment. What is the status of the company? Are you producing any fuel? Uh, what uh, are your main uh, operational uh, successes at the moment? Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me on your show. My name is Sandy Siwengemane. Uh, happy for you to call me Sandy. And I, I definitely want to share some of the highlights. But I think as we go into that, let me also indicate, yes, you're correct that Petro SA over the last few years has had to overcome some key challenges and that anchored on the depleting feedstock to its gas-to-liquids plant in Mossel Bay. And that has required that we look at interventions from multiple perspectives. Now, I think it's also opportune for me to share that last week, one of the key milestones that start talking to how are we resuscitating this particular plant and how does it tie into our long-term strategy I think started to have its anchors in the market through the request for proposals that were sent out into the industry requesting potential partners and funders to respond, indicating their interest. Uh, and that really entails an opportunity to reinstate the gas to liquids plant in Mossel Bay. Um, and central to that is also ensuring that we do have a stable feedstock supply into that particular facility. Now, how does this talk to our long-term strategy? And I'd like to perhaps paint the picture that also gives you a sense of what we are prioritizing in the more immediate term. So for Petro SA, our long-term strategy really starts to talk to the period 2027 onwards, where for us, gas is among the critical feedstocks, uh, not only in the context of reinstating our refinery, but also in terms of contribution to power generation, as well as stimulating various industries uh, with the provision of natural gas. So an integrated gas economy for us is part of what our outlook is in terms of contributing to security of supply and also in delivering to the integrated energy planning of the country. So I spoke to that in terms of it being our long-term strategy. Enablers, of course, are that at the time when we are able to secure that feedstock, we have a captive utilization or offtake uh, in the form of the refinery that would be going through the reinstatement. Um, as you are aware, that refinery in the current capacity, it's uh, got a capability of 46,000 barrels uh, per day that it can uh, generate, um, and it's based on a three-train system. 46,000 barrels per day. How much is it? Uh, if the plant is running at full capacity, how much of the fuel can that plant produce relative to what we use every day in the country? Well, it's also linked to what is the combination of your product slate. 
that you would essentially be producing. So let me give you um, a view of the of, of what typically we would have produced in the period, say, pre-2018, uh, where one of the key products we were producing over and above the diesel, your pet petrol, um, and a bit of, uh, say, paraffin, we were also producing specialized petrochemical products, which in themselves had actually anchored themselves to a market um, internationally, and particularly in Europe, where we had established a special vehicle, uh, which is the Europe BV vehicle, which we had utilized to trade in that particular region. That should give you a sense of the, the myriad of, of products that we then provided through that refinery. But as I'm saying, what the outlook is, additional to that refinery with the availability of gas, what we would want to also be contributing is to the power generation solution. Um, and in the more immediate, or should I say short to medium term, we are seeing an opportunity for petrolism to do that through the tail gas that we are still receiving from our offshore fields. As you mentioned, Rick, uh, over the years, we've seen the depleting um, re uh, resources or reserves from that particular field. However, from what our last reserve audits indicated, we still have capacity to the tune of about 45 to 50 um, uh, million scarce, if you will, per coming through that particular facility that we can then use to drive power generation. We call that gas tail gas. And from some of the indicative studies we're doing, we're seeing a capacity of about or close to 200 megawatts of power that can be generated utilizing that tail gas. Now, why I'm highlighting this is because there is already development work that we're doing that would essentially enable this. So not only have we got access to the gas uh, and from the volumes we're talking to, we could have uh, at least three years provision to drive that particular solution. We also have undertaken a lot of the development work, including starting work around some of the permits. So an environmental uh, impact assessment is one of the enablers that we need to have in place, and that work has been triggered. Uh, we've also had a team that's also led work around the grid capacity assessment. Uh, so once you generate the power, how do you evacuate it? So that's critical. And of course, from the commercial side, uh, would be important to then secure the offtake arrangements. Um, and I think on the back of where we located, one of the key offtakers whom we have uh, been engaging at different levels would be ESCOM. You're also aware that they also have their own um, open cycle gas turbine uh, in Mossel Bay as well as Cape Town. Uh, and in particular, Horikwa in Mossel Bay is adjacent to our facilities. So even with the availability of gas, there's an opportunity for them to convert that particular facility uh, and have a hybrid solution, if they will, uh, yeah. with utilizing gas. We'll talk about the solution for our energy electricity problems in a minute. I just want to go back to the plant in Mossel Bay. Is it standing idle at the moment waiting for gas? And if so, how long do you think you will be able or when do you think you'll be able to get a consistent, adequate supply of natural gas to get that plant back to full production? So in December 20, that's when the plant went offline, again, linked to the availability of the feedstock. What is the critical milestone is what I'm sharing that we have now triggered the process, which one would reinstate the technical integrity of the facilities uh, through the partnership 
uh, approach that we've gone out into the market uh, to pursue. And secondly, that would also assess us to find the most optimal uh, feedstock solution. Uh, I've mentioned what the long-term solution would essentially be anchored around, which is, is gas, indigenous gas. If you look at that RFP, for instance, it allows opportunities to look at a range of feedstock uh, that could be used in the more in the more medium term, which include um, LNG, which would include, of course, I mentioned the tail gas, which would also include the option of possibly even um, liquid feedstock. You are aware that the, the plant is configured such that it takes both gas as well as condensate to produce the full capacity of the refinery. The recent discoveries of gas offshore close to Mossel Bay, uh, I think the Brilpara development is, is one of the big ones, one of the biggest finds in recent times uh, near South Africa. When do you foresee to receive gas from that development and, and other uh, offshore developments close to Mossel Bay? When I talk to the long-term strategy, which is 2027 onwards, it is quite linked to that particular engagement as well. So that particular opportunity is developed through the Total um, Energies Consortium that is the developer for that Block 11-12. And you are aware that they already have secured the uh, exploration rights. And last year, they triggered the application process for the production rights. Um, of course, it is going to be informed by the points at which they secure uh, investment decision as that consortium. However, as, as indicated in some of the media engagements, is that they predict 2027 or thereabout could be a good milestone for us to start to receive that feedstock. So ours is to ensure that the markets that would be consuming that gas is on stream to be able to create that value. And the work around reinstating the GTL is essentially to also ensure that we are indeed in a position to receive that gas. But that is still a few years away. That is a few years away, on the back of the work that is really entailed in any exploration and production value chain uh, and the timelines associated with it. I think, there, of course, uh, this particular entity has, and that I'm referring to the total consortium, I think they have been quite aggressive in how they are developing this plant from the point at which they made the discoveries and they're now pursuing the production right. And I trust that we will then see how that timeline unfolds. However, I think they are likely to be other developments that too could contribute to us being able to talk to a, a stable supply of gas or feedstock by the period 2027 onwards. In the more medium term, if I could say, I think the options that are outlined in the RFP could possibly also present viable solutions in terms of the reinstatement of, of the refinery in itself. I think what I also want to make sure that we are talking to is a, is, is a view of, a, of an integrated solution on the back of feedstock and particularly gas feedstock. Because I think it's it's a conversation in a way that we might have been looking at it in, you know, in, in a single single project view. And once we start to look at it in a consolidated manner, I think it starts to also talk to a critical market that makes these projects, I think, for the developers more attractive yeah. and more 
You referred earlier to the um, RFD you issued to work with uh, private sector partners. Just tell us about the, the strategy there. Is it an outsourcing of some of the, the functions? I know some people would even uh, suggest that it's a privatization of operational responsibilities. What would the, the future structure be of, of such relationships? Look, I think it's the way it's structured, it really is uh, opening up a discussion um, for various modalities. Um, and, and what I can indicate to you is that PetroSA will remain with a share in the solution. And so I think that's a critical aspect to keep in mind in terms of the value that we are also bringing in into make, ensuring that we make this work. Remember, from a state perspective, we still hold a key mandate from a security of supply perspective. And I think that will remain as central in ensuring that this particular solution is um, viable and implementable. What is also an important aspect I'd like to share when we talk about the reinstatement of the GTL is that the approach we are taking is looking at partnerships and partnerships also from a, a government to government level. You'll see how Witzcroft did that. We're quite keen on engaging parties uh, that have a support linked to a, a government or a country associated with them. We think also appreciate that there are private players that come with that kind of uh, configuration. So we are keen on seeing the responses that we'll be getting. As you look at that, you will see that there's really two uh, elements to this particular invitation. There's an element that says we're looking for a partner to code to co-invest in the reinstatement, as well as an element that says, how optimally do we fund this particular work? So that's what you see in that particular opportunity. You've said PetroSA will retain or hold a stake in these ventures. Uh, Does that mean the uh, partners or the private sector participants would have an equity stake in such projects, their own equity stake? We're quite keen to see how those options uh, are presented in the responses and the various iterations that would come about from the respondents in terms of how we could make this particular solution work. So, so no, we're not looking to outsource uh, to a service provider, rather to go into a partnership that would allow us to deliver value to the solution. Then gas seems to be the energy source that is not getting the airtime I think it should have or should get as uh, one of the key solutions to our electricity problems. Earlier you said there may be, uh, there are plans to generate around 200 megawatts of electricity with the use of gas. First of all, what do you think is the role or the potential role for gas in our energy mix? And do you think it will be able to play a meaningful role, not only through practical and logistics terms, but also due to some resistance from environmental groupings? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one marker is to confirm gas definitely has a strategic role in the South African energy um, solution. And I think that is also evident when you look at the integrated resource plan uh, that we've seen um, in 2020-2019, um, that that does make provision for gas being a key part in power generation. What I think is also interesting is when we talk gas and natural gas, what it potentially looks like for South Africa. A South Africa in the context of where it sits in Southern Africa with the, with the potential unlocked um, already as we see 
through the experiences in Mozambique and also the developments that are coming about on the West Coast that you look at South Africa going into Namibia. I think that's an important element. And of course, the resources that we potentially have our, of our own shores, you've already mentioned, Block 11, 12, where Total is doing some work, is already evidence that there is strong resources in the country. Why I, why I say it's interesting is that the gas conversation for me then says, we talk about gas from an indigenous perspective, what we can get from our own reserves, both offshore and onshore. And I know this, you are right, from an environmental discussion becomes um, one where are there are great sensitivities. But the re I think the point is we have prospects in country. We've got the neighboring states and the reserves that are already unlocked in some of those. Uh, you remember that Petrus A being part of the SEF group, also through one of its sister subsidiaries, uh, would have an interest in ensuring that we are optimally utilizing the, the Romco pipeline that's from Mozambique uh, into South Africa, where I guess currently holds 40% uh, shareholding. I think additionally, that also starts to talk about what, what gas, natural gas imported through Mozambique potentially means as we look at that Bumalanga region and the prospects around power generation utilizing gas as the feedstock. Moving from there, we then have the coastal opportunities. Uh, over the last few years, you may, may have read up that the deep water ports themselves present an opportunity where imported liquefied natural gas could potentially be utilized as well to drive power generation, but also to become uh, a gas supplier to trigger industry. And once again, it, 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 it goes back to the point I talk around gas being an integrated solution or integrate, integrate gas economy that we need to be building. For me, I think in the instance of Petro SA, where we are located in Muscle Bay, already having uh, had the experience of uh, producing some of the offshore uh, blocks and fields to produce gas, I think we can demonstrate some key learnings there, not just from a technical perspective, but from a, a community socioeconomic perspective, what that means for that particular region. And secondly, what more gas would effectively unlock, again, not just in that particular part of the country, but even broader. So I'm saying when we talk about gas, uh, let's look at it in terms of where the gas sources could be in the South African context. You could import it, import it from neighboring countries, import it as liquefied natural gas using your port infrastructure, as well as exploit our own indigenous gas. I think it's how do we carve that particular case optimally for the country. Uh, just uh, for interest sake, what do you think of possible mobile solutions like a power ship who can deploy a functioning power plant uh, utilizing gas as a fuel source within, uh, yeah, w well, in less than two years? Uh, South Africa so desperately needs electricity. Uh, do you think that is a solution? Yeah, I, I think as a country, we really need to really explore all options. And, and look at them, as you say, maybe as in the immediate term, what the solution provides its value, and then how does it integrate into the medium-term solutions that we've outlined in our IRPs, that we've outlined uh, as we look at unlocking our own indigenous gas, that we've outlined in the regional, and I'm talking about the static regional gas plan. I think there's various work that's quite rich, and as well as the South African gas master plan. There are plans that are already rich that I think provide solutions. Again, for me, is how do you line that up? 
Um, so yes, mobile solutions. And by the way, uh, I mentioned um, the tail gas to power and part of the um, options in terms of the power generating block is to utilize um, a mobile um, generation solution. Of course, looking at it as a, a more a short to medium term solution that would integrate into a longer term power generation solution. And I think there are solutions that we could possibly look at how do you then make it feasible? How do you structure it so that the developers are able to secure the relevant funding as well as offtake and the necessary enabler. So for me, um, the timing is also linked to us being able to accelerate and get more efficiencies in securing some of the environmental authorizations and permits, the generation license, et cetera, that would be critical. In, this, in, in realizing the solutions. Yeah, and I think also pricing will be absolutely critical. Uh, are you involved in potential development of shale gas in the Karoo? So, yes. And again, I'm going to respond in this one in the context of also the CEF group, um, where the Petroleum Agency of South Africa uh, is also one of the sister companies. They are the regulator for the oil and gas exploration and production, but they also are playing a critical role in, in, in building awareness around the oil and gas sector. And they've been doing some extensive studies around shale gas and understanding the baseline in terms of some of the resources, including water in that region. I think it's an important, it's an important work. It's important work that has been done. I think us being able to unlock the potential of gas, oil and gas, through um, what is available in the Karoo region and other areas in the country is important. Once again, we need to make sure that the approaches we take are sustainable, but also integrated in so far as the environmental considerations that need to be applied. I think the fact that um, BASA among the key parties involved in this value chain are doing some of the analysis and baseline studies is a demonstration of also the, the importance and commitment to ensuring that the work is done in an environmentally sustainable fashion. It seems really positive. Uh, it seems like you have a strategic plan going forward. Uh, the uh, proof will be in the pudding, uh, so to speak. Uh, are you confident you'll be able to execute these uh, plans um, and contribute towards energy security in South Africa, given the track record of Petro SA over the past decade or so? And, and, and you're, you're quite frank, I like that. So it's important. And for me to be quite pragmatic is sometimes you need to start in order to get to a point where you can demonstrate the, the, the plan. So for me, I've shared with you what we are planning in the long term and what we are doing in the medium term. What it has required for us, though, is to say immediately, Petra, say, what do you do to ensure that Financially, you are stable as a country, but also you start to build your capacity and uh, building towards being able to deliver on these integrated gas solutions. And it has put us in a point where we are really bolstering aggressively growth in the downstream uh, business through our trading and marketing arm. Now, this is a space where the likes of ESCOM become some of the critical customers whom we are servicing immediately through the provision of your petroleum products, including diesel, which is utilized in the open cycle gas turbines uh, for power generation. And among other products that we are also um, um, going to be making available to the likes of ESCOM and other industry players include heavy fuel oils and other black oils, um, bitumen. So I've got a trading team that's really looking at uh, how best they execute their trading strategy in the context of the 
international landscape as well as the South African landscape that we are operating in. You are still in an acting role. Government has promised to appoint a permanent CEO of Petro SA. Do you know when this will happen? We will be guided um, again, be followed by the board of the organization as well as our shareholder, Seth. Um, and I think it due course the timeline associated with this would then be communicated. That was Sandy Sibe Timani. She is the acting CEO of Petro SA.